Hey guys, thanks for swinging by our podcast today. We hope this message leaves you encouraged and filled with hope and that Christ and His goodness is meeting your every need. There we go. Whoa. And the Lord said, let there be volume. And it was good. <laughs> he's here. Like he's, he's really here. Like not in theory. Not like... One plus one is two, so he's here. Not, like, he's really here. He's really, really here. So I've uh, been in this series, The Birth of Revival. And uh, yeah, open up to Luke chapter 1. We'll read this story again. Luke 1. Today's going to be really fun, too. Like, I think it'll be fun. If, if you don't have fun, I'm going to have fun. <laughs> I'll have fun for all of us. I did a revival about four months ago, and it was really, really quiet. And I amened myself because I said a good point. And I said, that's okay. I brought my own encouragement with me today. So if I can bring my own encouragement, I can have fun for everyone. <laughs> Luke 1 says, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Oh. But she was very, <laughs> Sorry. But she was very perplexed. She was very perplexed at this statement, and she kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For, and this is what we're going to focus on right here. For nothing will be impossible with God. In verse 38, and Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So a lot of seeing the Lord move is just agreeing with what the Lord wants to do. <laughs> this sounds so silly. That's why when we pray at 9, or I'm sorry, at 9.30, we'll, we'll eventually get to 9. But at 9.30, that's why when we say, I, I, I don't want us always relying on me to lead the prayer or someone else, because we want you to speak it out. And I'm not telling you to be loud and emotional. I'm saying that there's power in agreement. And so if the person next to you, it's, it's impossible for the person next to you to agree with you if they don't hear something you're saying, right? And so you don't have to share all the details, but there is power in agreement. And so she's saying, may it be done according to the word of the Lord. So part of the Lord moving has everything to do with us agreeing with what he wants to do. And it sounds so silly, but the Lord, he's, he's sovereign. He can do anything he wants, 
but he also has given man free will, meaning that we're free to make our own decisions and our own choices. And a lot of the Lord moving is us just saying, yeah, may it be done on earth. This isn't that may be it done according to your will. This is what we believe you want. So we're, we're just going to agree. That's what you want to do. Now, we have defined revival as this. Revival is an improvement in condition or strength or of the fortunes of someone or something. It's an improvement of conditions or strength or an improvement of the fortunes of someone or something. It's, it's the instance of something becoming popular, popular like there's a revival and, and like retro stuff right now. Like it's like old things are becoming popular again, if you will. It's, it's a new production of something. And, and realistically, it's bringing something that had no life and breathing life back into it again. And so when we say we're a church that values revival, we're saying, Lord, we want you to bring the dead things back to life again. And, and revival, again, we say this, it's not a series of meetings. It's actually a lifestyle where we're constantly seeing the dead things around us come back to life. And so it's not just hyped up emotional church services. It's seeing your neighborhood come back to life, right? It's, it's seeing the dark things around the city begin to go away and as light shines into it. And as light shines into it, it brings life to it. It's, it's, it's about... It's about business, I'm just being honest, it's about businesses closing that we don't want to exist in our city or really on the face of the planet Earth. It's, it's, it's us wanting the strip clubs, clubs to close, right? It's the light shining into those dark places. It's the tarot places, the tarot reading cards closing. I mean, it's all kinds of, it's the abortion clinics closing. It's, it's, it's we want those things to close because the Lord begins to come to such a degree that he brings life back to these things, right? And so we want the Lord to bring revival to our city. And, and you've heard me say this before, that, that one of the nicknames of Louisville was the city of churches. It was called the city of churches. And if it was the city of churches, they named it that about 120, 130 years ago because of all the churches that were in the city. And, and you wouldn't know that it was at one time a holy city. And I'm not talking bad about our city. I'm just saying there needs to be a revival of God's people in his city. And it's not about coming to church, although you should come to church. You shouldn't forget the assembly of saints. But it's about hosting his presence in your day-to-day -day life and releasing that every where you go and as you host his presence it brings revival to the city like i don't have to stand on a street corner and say turn or burn like like that's just disgusting to me it really is what i need to do is when i'm at the grocery store be kind to the person who's in front of me or, or be patient when you're waiting forever in line and when they say why do you have to why are you so patient or if they say i'm so sorry you had to wait long you can tell it's not a big deal i'm good i really am good and when they say how are you so patient? You can say, well, it's because I have Christ in me, the hope of glory. Like that's what revival is. And, and, and like, like my hope and my prayer is that you all don't just say, I go to River City Hope Church, which I'm so thankful you all do. And I just happen to think it's the best church in the city. Okay. But it, I, I do. Like, but it's not about that. It's about us living a lifestyle during the day-to-day -day week. That's what we're asking people to come into. We're, 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 yes, you're part of a church family, but more than that, you are beginning to live a lifestyle, a lifestyle of holiness, if you will, a lifestyle of power, operating under the power of the Holy Spirit. Like that's what we are called to do is to live this stuff out. 
So when Jesus was born, again, Jesus' birth was the announcement that revival was here. Okay? <laughs> Why? Because Jesus came to, to restore the fortunes of the earth. Jesus came to restore that which was lost. He came to save that which was lost. And that was that ability to walk in intimacy with the Lord. That's what Adam and Eve, when they ate of the tree, they forfeited the right to walk in intimacy with the Lord. And the father said, I'm going to send my son so that my children can begin to walk in intimacy with me again. Which means that he's not a God out in outer space. He's a God. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. He's, he's, he's what April was praying this a few moments ago. I don't know if anyone heard her. But in Exodus 33, we've, quote, we've preached on this verse before that some talk to, the Lord talked to some prophets by word, but he talked to Moses face to face, mouth to mouth. In the Old Testament, there is no word for the word presence. There is no word in the Old Testament for presence. Anytime it talks about the Lord being near, it means face to face, mouth to mouth. We translate that as presence. So when we say we want the Lord, we're saying we want you right here. And like, like some of us are like, oh, I got space issues, right? Like, like not, the Lord wants us to live with the awareness that he's right here. Jesus' birth was the announcement that he's given strength to men again. Because it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by his spirit. It's the announcement of that. It's the announcement that he is going to improve the conditions of the earth. It's just like, and we've used this for reference time and time again. Like, it's the, it's the shopping center is the prime example of that. When I have people asking me where our church is, and they ask all the time, I'm like, oh, corner of Preston and Gilmore. And they're like, where is that? And I'm like, behind Popeye's Chicken. Everyone knows where Popeye's Chicken is. <laughs> and they're like, over there? And they're like, oh. I'm like, yeah, it's amazing. It's getting better. <laughs> we don't have prostitutes working our street or parking lot anymore. And the bad businesses are closing. And, and other businesses are signing 10-year leases that we actually want in the shopping center. It's a picture of what revival actually is. It's, it's even a picture, as telling Jeremy last night, it's a picture of the houses behind the neighborhood. They're starting to flip all these old homes behind us. Why? So they're taking something that was dead and broken that actually many squatters were living in, and they're breathing life back into these things. And young families or first-time homebuyers are buying homes in our area. I happen to believe, and, and you call me whatever you want, crazy or whatever. By the way, if I'm, if I'm in my mind, it's for you. But if I'm out of my mind, it's for Christ. But I'm saying, I believe it has everything to do with the Lord is beginning to dwell and to tabernacle and abide in this area. And it's breathing life into this area. So now, young families are beginning to move into an area that others were writing off that it was just not a good place to live. Steve and Bridget, they come on Friday nights, but they actually live in the area. And, and they were talking about how when they first moved into the area, that it was like the area to live in in Louisville. And then they're like, they've seen it transition to where should we live here anymore to where maybe we ought to stay here now. It's, it's this thing where the Lord begins to breathe life. That's what revival is, folks. And we desire for our whole area to be transformed. And I think it's very, April said this too, I think it's very strategic 
that we have River City, which is actually the most, almost the most central point in the city, where 65 and the Watterson intersect. That's essentially where we are. And then all around the city, we have people living. We have folks in Shelbyville. Or we have folks in Shelbyville. We have folks in E-Town. We have some that are on the north side of the city, right? We have some that are here. It's like this, it's, it's, it's we, we have Holy Spirit-filled I don't know what you want to call them, warriors, if you will, all around the city waiting to ambush people with the goodness of God, and we have this central hub where people go out from. I just think it's really cool. <laughs> I'll skip to the next verse. We'll go to the next part. Because Christ lives in us now. See, Mary gave birth to Christ. We've talked about that. Mary gave birth to Christ, but now he lives inside of us. So our job as a Christian or as a spirit-filled believer is to give birth to Jesus everywhere we go. Like if we're going to see revival, it's our job to give birth to Christ. And, and I'm not trying to weird you out. I'm just telling you that's what your assignment is. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's at Walmart, if it's at the bank, if it's at Chipotle, if it's at Heine Brothers Coffee, two of our favorite places in the whole wide world. It doesn't matter. You're called to give Jesus away at those places. All right. All right. So how do we do this? How do we give birth to Jesus, or how do we give birth to revival in this generation? I believe that we need to begin to be okay giving birth to the impossible again. Let me say this: we need to get. We need to be okay with believing for the impossible again. Was by the way, I think impossible in the kingdom of God is actually a cuss word. <laughs> you probably shouldn't say, oh, that's impossible. No, there is no such thing as impossible in the kingdom. As he says, with God, all things are possible, right? See, Jesus' birth announced that the impossible was now possible. Verse 36, and behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. Elizabeth's pregnancy was an announcement to Mary. Like the whole, the, the angel comes and says, you know, surprise, we went all over this. Surprise, you're pregnant and we know you're a virgin and we know you probably don't believe it. But since you don't believe it, here's something supernatural that happened a few months ago. And your relative that was barren, that's really old and should not have the ability to get pregnant, she's pregnant too. So if you don't believe this, just go ahead and believe this and that'll give you faith to believe that. And so, so <laughs> I know it does a tongue twister. But, but, but with the kingdom of God, when the impossible shows up, it begins to give other people the ability to believe that the impossible is possible. We live in a world that's full of facts. Right? I mean, you, you, have, you have something, most of you have something in your hands that you can find out anything you want to know at the click of a button. You can, you can find out anything you want to know. And so it's like, what is the, I don't know what the latitude and longitude of River City Hope Church is, but I'm sure you could look it up before I finish saying you could look it up and you'd know. And some of you are doing it because you want to know now. But the world is full of facts. The world is full of figures, right? And, and, but what the world so desperately needs is the miraculous. It's the truth. The church needs the miraculous. 
Now, we're not chasing after signs and wonders. We're chasing after Jesus. And Mark 16 says that these signs will follow. But we need to be a supernatural people. It's like, it's like what's our natural habitat? The supernatural. What's natural? The supernatural. It's not even super. It's just natural. I mean, that, that's, that's what the Lord has called his people to do. And we are called to be a people that look at impossible situations and go, no big deal. <laughs> no big deal. Oh, that's dead. It can come back to life. Yes, it can. Right? Oh, that's hopeless. <laughs> no, it's actually about to be a miracle, right? Well, that's a desert. Actually, no, that's about to be a reservoir, right? Or, or oh, that's a, that's a barren wasteland. Actually, no, that's about to be a garden that's going to spring up from that. Like, like, that's what we have the privilege of believing. And that is what sets us apart from the world around us. And it's not an us and them thing. It is not. But it's, it's, it's our ability to have a kingdom perspective that says, no, all things are possible with God or nothing is impossible with God and all things are possible to him who believes. Like it's us to be able to go into a world that's full of cynicism and, well, if that's what's bad, I can't wait to happen. What, or I, I just can't wait to see what happens next. Or people are like, well, it's Monday. And it's really bad. Like, what does that even mean? Like, we say stuff like that. It's Monday. Yeah, there's six other days. All of them are good because he made today, right? And, and it's, or we say, well, two things, have, two things bad have happened today, so there's probably a third thing about to happen because everything happens in threes. Like, we say really dumb stuff like that. And we have the ability to say, that's hogwash. There's actually something good that's about to spring forth. And not just say it, but really believe it, right? In a world that's pulling a rising healthcare cost, right? In a world where it's like, it's like, if you want to know what kind of diet to do, it's like, well, you need to only eat vegetables and be vegan because meat's bad for you. And then you watch another documentary that says, no, you only need to eat meat because vegetables are bad for you because the stuff they put it on, or you only need to do this or this or this, or it's like, no matter what you can do, no matter what you're going to eat is going to kill you other than like grass, right? And it's like in a world where it's like that, or, or you can eat this, but it has this ingredient that causes cancer or, or whatever. I'm saying in a world that's full of like mass hysteria, we can say it's going to be okay. A movement of casting mountains into the sea needs to be birthed. I'll say it again. A movement of casting mountains into the sea needs to be birthed. And why not here, right? Why not here? Now, now I understand that we'll say stuff like when you start talking about we need the miraculous or we need the impossible to start happening, we automatically start saying, well, brother, we need sound teaching. I'm not saying we don't need sound teaching. We'll say, brother, well, we need doctrinally okay worship. I'm, I'm, I don't disagree with that, right? Or, or well, we need to be founded on prayer. Well, if all we're doing is praying to hear our own voices, then why are we even 
I'm praying for. I'm saying we need, we need all of those things and we need the supernatural hand of God to move is what we want to do. And there is nothing more supernatural than the Savior of the world being born to a virgin in a stable, right? In low and humbly uh, 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 beginnings. There is not, nothing more supernatural and miraculous than that because that's who we chose to love and serve. There is nothing more crazy, if you will, than saying, well, not only that was he born of a virgin, but he lived 33 years and he never sinned, right? He never sinned in word, thought, or deed. There is nothing more miraculous than him saying, I guess I'm just going to willingly give my life for all these knuckleheads around me. And for the ones that are going to happen on down the road 2,000 years later, I'm going to go ahead and pay a price for them. That way they can have that restored relationship. I mean, that is mind-boggling. <coughs> and so, Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. So, I say, enemy, you need to go. Because I'm preaching truth right now that you don't want said. Amen. <clears throat> we need a people that believe for the impossible. We need a people that when your best friend calls you and says, I have an impossible diagnosis, you can say this. It's going to be okay. I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to believe that God is going to move. That's what we need, right? We need, we need people that when a spouse leaves one of our relatives or leaves one of our friends, we can say, we're going to pray for you that God convicts them and he will speak to them. He's going to draw them back and your marriage or your relationship is going to be stronger than it's ever been. Not that, oh, I am so sorry. I couldn't imagine if that happened to me. Like, I understand there, there's empathy and there's compassion. Empathy just feels sorry for people. Compassion actually does something about it. <laughs> the Passion translation of Luke 137, where it says that, that nothing is impossible with God, the Passion actually was translated like this Not one promise from God is empty of power. <laughs> for nothing is impossible with God. Not one promise of God is empty of power, which means that the Lord speaks it, it will not be absent of his ability to fulfill it. <laughs> so if it's in here, if it's in here, if it's a promise, if it's a promise, and we know that all the promises of God are a yes and amen through Christ Jesus. That's what his word says. If it's in here, if it's a promise, and if nothing's impossible, he will not say, I promise this, but y'all's on your own. <laughs> He's not going to say that. He's not going to be like, you figure it out. He will back it up with his supernatural power. And so that's why, that's why it's really good to get in here and begin to learn the word. Not so that you can memorize it and spout it off so you sound good when you pray, but so that you can be like, God, you said this, right? It's, I heard the pastor say, um, it's almost like you're placing a demand on the word of God. And, and it's, it's saying, you said this, so I'm going to take it to the bank. It's like if, if, I write you, if I write you a check, you can take that to the bank. I'm not going to write you a hot check. The Lord's not going to write you a hot promise. Hoping, oh, I hope they wait 24 hours to cash that in. He says, no, no, there are no promises empty or devoid of his power. He always backs it up, folks. 
So the question is, how do we give birth to the impossible? How do we believe for the impossible? How do we start seeing impossible situations? How do we start to see marriages restored? How do we start to see sick people healed? How do we start to see broken people made whole, right? How do we see depression start to leave? How do we start to see revival in our families? Look at uh, Matthew 11, Matthew eleven twelve. I love this verse, and I have never preached this verse before, and I'm so stinking fired up, too. <laughs> it's just incredible. Matthew eleven twelve. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent men take it by force. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take it by force. All right, so you're like, this is, it's a weird verse. It's a weird verse. What does it mean? When it says the kingdom of heaven, God's domain, if you will, God's kingdom, suffers violence, that phrase means the kingdom of heaven, it's dominated, it's forcefully entered. It means, it means the kingdom of heaven is passionate or is, is overcome by passion. It's overcome or it's overpowered by passion. It's taken by storm. So from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven is taken by storm. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven is taken by those who are passionate about the kingdom of heaven coming. That's what that means. It's, it's not a passive thing. It's like, God, I want your kingdom to come here on earth. I mean, it's a, and I'm not telling you hyped up emotion. I'm saying it's like, there's one thing to believe and there's another thing to believe, if you will. Does that make sense? It's, and, it's, and the violent men take it by force. I love this. It's like violent men in heaven. That, well, it, it means our approach to the throne of grace, right? We can approach the throne of grace with confidence in our time of need is actually what Hebrews says. But it says the violent men take up by force. And if take up by force, that phrase, man, that, that phrase means that, that it's taken by people, it's plundered by people that approach it as if they're attacking it. <laughs> and they actually plunder it. It actually means take it by force, means snatching from someone's hand. And it means to literally take away. And so if, if we could do it like this, if, 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 if this is the kingdom of heaven, if the kingdom of heaven is right here and we're like, I need an answer to prayer. And if this represents an answer to prayer and if that's the kingdom of heaven, it means that I'm not going to be like, and grab it. It means that I'm going to go and I'm going to go take it. Does that make sense? That means that we need to begin to pray with confidence. That means that I'm not, when I pray, and by the way, wishing is not praying. <laughs> oh, I wish my situation, no. I wish my kid would come back to Jesus, right? It, no, it's, it's God. You said that you desire that none shall perish, but all inherit eternal life. I'm not going to quit coming to you. I'm not going to quit praying for my relative. I'm not going to quit praying for my relative. I'm actually going to be like the, the persistent widow that knocked on the door of the judge, knocked on the door of the judge, and actually says with shameless audacity until he granted her justice, right? And, and so it's, it's believing. It's, it's, it's living our life like, like, look, I'm not, I'm going to get past this point of praying and I'm going to get to this point of like, when I'm going to, I don't even know how to articulate it other than 
I'm going to pray with such belief that as the moment I release it from my mouth, I believe he's going to answer. Can I say this? You don't even know. Can I say this? I think sometimes we quit praying for things way too soon. It's like, oh God, would you... Let's just get really practical, okay? God, would you meet our need? Would you give me a better job? Let's just go with that. Would you give me a better job? Well, one, you probably need to put a resume together and actually apply to jobs, okay? Like, it's like, uh, he's probably not going to drop something right in your lap. You need to do something. What if you're taking it by force as applying for something you're not qualified to do? Right? I'm just saying. What if it's long-term sickness? And I'm not being mean. I'm just saying this. What if it's long-term sickness? Well, God just must want me to live with this. Let's just keep approaching them. Let's just keep going after it. Let's keep praying for revival. It's like, when do you quit praying for things? Like, when do you quit praying for things? When the burden lifts. Like, what's a burden? Like, you know, like, what's a burden? It's like sometimes the Lord will give me something to pray for, and, and, and I'm like, oh, and I feel like i got to keep praying for it, keep praying for it day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out, and then the burden lifts. And I was like, well, he must be ready to actually move in this situation. And it's not, I'm not talking about works, okay, because I don't want you to turn this into a works thing. I'm saying let's storm the gates of heaven and go get the answers for the world around us that we absolutely desperately need. That's why it was so amazing. We had people up here praying on Saturday this week, and I loved it. I, didn't, I wasn't even here, wasn't even aware it was going on until after it happened. Absolutely loved it. Why? Because with people asking the Lord to move on your behalf, and so we're going to start to see God move. And so it says that suffers violence. I believe that Jesus is telling us that we have access to the kingdom of God and all that is in heaven is available to us. And our job is to do whatever we can do to have heaven invade earth. That, that's the premise of it all. When we pray Matthew 6.10 on earth, it is this in heaven. It's not that so we sound cool and it's not so that we can have a pithy saying all over our social media and all over our branding. It is because we actually believe that it is possible. Here's what scares me. Here's what scares me is that if we're honest, most of the time heaven's right in front of us. We just don't realize it. And if you don't know what's right in front of you, you won't go after it. And it's just something we can't afford to do. Folks, that's why when we were praying at 9.30 this morning, I said, I said, just imagine him being right in front of you because he is. I've told this story jokingly before. Uh, I think, you know, April and I have been married almost 16 years for our wedding gift. We start talking about this again with Taylor and Colin's wedding. Uh, but for our wedding, one of our wedding gifts, someone gave us a crock pot. And we lugged. <laughs> yeah, glory hallelujah for crock pots now, right? <laughs> We've got a whole mess of them over there. <laughs> filled with goodness, filled with manna. 
<laughs> Amen. That's right. I can't even look in your direction right now. I'm in between. I'm just struggling. <laughs> I just want to giggle. We had the crock pot, and we, we moved, I don't know how many times the first 10 years of our marriage. It was a lot. And we never even unboxed that crock pot for the first 10 years of our marriage. And, like, and she's like, I don't know how to cook with it. I'm like, I don't know how to use it, and I'm not trying to embarrass her. But it's like we had this thing, and then for some reason, after 10 years of marriage, we're like, we probably ought to try this thing out. It changed our life. It changed our life. We had no idea what was available to us. That, that, that you mean we could move food in here and go run errands all day and come home and there's a meal ready for us? Right? And now it's like, now, now it's like we need extra cabinets to hold all of our crock pots, dude. <laughs> I think sometimes we live our Christian life that way. That we have Jesus, if you will. We've boxed him up and we're like, we're just going to carry you around with us, Jesus. And, and be really polite and keep you nice and orderly on the shelf. And never realize what's there for us to go poop and actually prepare a meal for us. I think it's time to get them out. And I think it's time to say, you're here, and I'm actually going to believe for the impossible. I'm not going to hope for the impossible. And actually, sometimes the impossible is like cooking in a crock pot. Sometimes it's like, it takes a few hours, if you will. And sometimes, some of y'all even have those fancy crock pots that's like, boom, 15 minutes, and you got this meal. Like, sometimes it's really fast, sometimes it's long. It doesn't really matter. But you know what also is interesting as I'm saying that? That it takes pressure for those things to come through. Some of y'all feel like you're under pressure right now, and maybe you're not at, maybe it's not getting worse, but maybe the pressure is actually the Holy Spirit getting ready to release. <laughs> we gotta press in, man. We gotta begin to press in for more of his presence, but here's, here's what the Holy Spirit's been really speaking to us about, is that we gotta press in and get past the, the obsession over his presence and become obsessed for glory. There is a difference between presence and glory. Presence is what we typically experience. I wasn't going to say this this morning, but presence is typically what we experience. It's like, it's like and I love the presence of God. I love the presence of God. It's like when he, I, I don't know how to say, like when, I, when he comes upon, like I know he's here. I know he's here right now. I feel him as I'm preaching. And it's not about feeling. I'm just saying, like I just, I, I know he's here. Sometimes when we worship, the, the hair on the back of my neck will stand up. I'm like, he's really here. Or sometimes we'll get like cold chills running down me. I'm like, oh my goodness, he's about to heal someone in the room. Like, and, and it's not about feeling. I'm just saying like, like you got to know what the presence of the Lord is. And sometimes you come in here and you start crying. You don't even know why you're crying. It's the presence of the Lord or whatever that is for you. I'm just showing you my examples. But, but, but the presence is what we see. It's what we experience. It's what we feel. And if we're honest, we're okay with that. But when it starts to get a little bit more than that, sometimes we get scared to death. See, glory, it's different. Glory is a greater degree of presence. Glory is the weighty presence of God. It's like, it's, it's like what we did just a little bit ago. Like I, I was like, Lord, I'm, I know I'm going to talk about the glory. And we had that moment, Logan, where you were singing and then you just stopped. And everyone started praying. It's like he's really here. And we started a transition from presence to something totally different. It's the glory. It's like this. You know what I think the presence is? 
Like you realize when we say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice it says kingdom. It doesn't say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, you king come, and you, your will be done. We actually ask for the kingdom to come. See, we're typically okay with the person, but we get freaked out when he brings his whole world with him. It is. It's like, oh, Jesus is here. Yay. <laughs> but his, his kingdom comes and it's like, oh, it got a little weird for me. Right? <laughs> All right? Let's be honest. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll never forget the first time I prayed for someone. And it's not about this. We don't ever talk about this stuff, but I feel like there's a grace today. It's like the first time I prayed for someone, I put my hand on them and they just, they fell down. I'm like, that is weird. <laughs> what happened? Glory came. Glory came. It's like, what, what? <laughs> the first time I saw someone laying face down, crying on the floor. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like deer in head, like, what is going on? Like, just whenever sometimes first time visitors come, <laughs> and it, never, it never ceases to amaze me. They'll come on a revival Friday, and they're like, like you all are just freaks that night. And it's just absolutely amazing. I love it. And, I, and, and I'm thinking, they'll never be back. <laughs> but they do, and I love it. I love it. I'm saying, we need, I'm saying, I'm okay with his presence. I love his presence. But I want his world to invade our world. I want his world to, I want his world to invade ours. <laughs> the presence is the announcement that he is here and his glory is an announcement that his realm is here too. <laughs> and I don't say this lightly, I want all of heaven. <laughs> so let's just have fun for a few minutes, okay? Before we eat, let's have some fun. There are some promises that we just need to storm heaven about. There, there are some things that we just need to take it by force. Now, what if it takes a while? That's fine. Keep. Okay. Keep doing it. I'm, see, I'm seeing answers to prayer that we've prayed for three years. But there are some things I haven't seen answers to yet that I'm still going to pray for. Okay. So, let me, let's just establish this. In heaven, you're not a sinner. And we've, established, we've talked and talked a lot about that. You're, you're not a sinner in heaven. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You need to transition from sin consciousness, from being aware that you're a dirty, rotten sinner. Like, we get that. You are. You were. You were. You were. It's past tense. I'm not negating the things you've been through. I'm not negating your past. I, I'm sure it was miserable like most of us in here. Okay, I'm not negating that. I'm saying do not elevate your past experiences to who you are right now in Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? Because the only way you're going to be able to approach heaven violently, if you will, is if you understand who you are. It's like you don't have to be afraid. It's like, is he going to strike me with a lightning bolt and kill me dead? Right? Like we say stuff like, oh, don't lie in church. He's going to strike you dead. Right? Like, like we, sometimes we even pray that way. Like, uh, I didn't read my Bible every day this week. I don't know if I can actually pray a bold prayer. Seriously? I, 
First of all, disclosure, I think you should read your Bible every day <laughs> because he's here, <laughs> okay? But I also don't think he's going to kill you if you miss a day. Like, there's, there ought to be grace in that. But also think, I really want to be in here because he's in that. So, so but it's like, oh, I didn't, I, did, I only spent like six minutes reading on Thursday. So I don't know if Friday, I, I got to read longer on Friday to make up for it before I pray a bold prayer. Like, seriously, give me a break. He's good. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, you need to understand that. All right. So some promises we need to storm about. It's like in heaven, there is healing and there is wholeness. Wholeness. Look, let's look at this. Matthew 9. Matthew 9. I don't have much more, but we, we want to we go after this stuff. Praise the Lord. There's our buddy Luke. Yeah. Buddy, I read your verse today. He was this young man, by the way, born at 137, and his name is Luke, and that was the main verse today that nothing is impossible with God. That's really cool. I just love that. Matthew 9, verse 20 through 22. And the woman who had been suffering from the hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak, for she was saying to herself, If I only touch his garments, I will get well. But Jesus, turning and seeing her, said, Daughter, Take courage. Your faith has made you well. And at once, the woman was made well. The word well is the word sozo in the Greek. Sozo literally means saved, healed, and delivered. So notice he didn't just say you're healed. He said you're made well. You are sozoed. He's, he's essentially saying what you're lacking, I'm going to make you fully whole. And so when, when we come into the kingdom of God, this isn't, Jesus didn't die so you could have a partial, partial salvation. <laughs> Jesus died so you could have a full salvation and Jesus died so that you could be made whole. And it's like, well, what does that mean? It means that if you feel any emptiness, if you feel any loneliness, if you feel anything at all, he died to fix that whatever that you are feeling. He died to fix your lack, if you will. And you're like, well, prove it. Well, I will. Ephesians 4, 15. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, which means that we are called to live our life in such a way. When you give your life to Jesus, he actually fills you to such a degree and he, 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 he heals your emotions. He heals your mind. He heals your will. He actually heals your salvation, your soul. He, called, he came so that you could be made whole. And if you're not made whole, it's okay. He's growing you up into all things into him. Was Jesus a partial Jesus? No, he was fully Jesus, right? Was Jesus, was Jesus a man that walked with a limp, if you will? No, he was a man that walked in wholeness and purity and power. And so you're like, well, I don't feel it. I'd say, I get that. I'm saying, let's begin to pray and believe that he died to make us feel that way. The devil would love nothing more than you to be okay with praying a prayer to go to heaven and knowing that you have your salvation, but you living broken and feeling messed up your whole life because you're not a threat to him then. But the moment you realize, like, I can be made whole. 
the anger that I feel, it can be turned be turn to joy. The loneliness that I feel or the stress or anxiety that I feel can be turned into peace. The moment you realize that, you're a threat. You're a threat. So he died to make you whole. He did, he, he did not die so you could lack anything. It's a full salvation. <laughs> I've I did a disservice over the years by not preaching that with conviction. Because I was like, because I always like, I used to be afraid, if I'm honest, I'm just being honest. I used to be afraid to say that. Because I know what people deal with and stress out. I, I know what people have. I get it. I know there's some with long-term sicknesses and illnesses. And I'm not saying that to make you feel bad. I used to just let that intimidate me from sharing this aspect because I didn't want to hear the, but, but what about, but what about, what, what about? The Lord took that away. I just... I just saying, I understand what you're going through. I may not understand what you're going through because I may not have went through it, but I know what this says. And I, I know that this is more real than this. And so I'm going to keep proclaiming what's in this until I experience it in this. And, 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 I, know, and, and I know that makes people uneasy. I'm just saying, I'm just going to really, really believe it. And I don't want to do anyone a disservice anymore for you thinking that it's just your cross to bear to be a broken person all your life. No, he died to make you whole. That's not your cross to bear. That's not your cross to bear. I actually think, and then we'll hear stuff about, what about thorn in the flesh? Um, I used to think thorn in the flesh, I don't think it's perpetual sickness. I don't think that's in the context of the passage. I'm just going to say this. When Paul says he had a thorn in the flesh that tormented him, he asked the Lord to take away three times. The Lord did not. I think it's one of two things. I can't prove it, but I believe it with all my heart. In context, Paul's talking about persecution, persecution, and then thorn in the flesh, and then he talks about persecution again. So could be persecution. I, I probably think it's that. And then there's another thing that Paul, I actually believe this. What did Paul do before he became a Christian? He murdered Christians. He was a persecutor. I believe from Paul's writings that you could probably determine that Paul constantly thought about what he used to do. But he was aware of the forgiveness and the grace of the Lord and it was aware of what God took him through. And I just, I just wonder if maybe he saw Stephen's face being stoned and every night he went to bed and that was his thorn in the flesh. And he said, take that away from me. And the Lord says, I don't want to take that away from you because I want you to know what I brought you through. I can't prove that, but I believe it's one of those two things or probably a combination of both. So, but I don't believe it is sickness. <laughs> We're going to pray for that in a moment. And in heaven, there's complete provision. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to do this last one. Philippians 4.19. Philippians is amazing. I took, like, the Lord, the Lord had me read it every day for over three straight weeks. Couldn't read anything else. I read my proverb of the day or proverb chapter of the day, but it's like, ugh, can I move on to Colossians, Lord? <laughs> I was like, no, Philippians. All right. And it's a short book. It's a good book. Most of us know 413, which is, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We know that. But most of Philippians, it's really amazing. Chapter one, it talks about going through a hard time of persecution. 112, Paul says, <laughs> Paul says, I thank God that my circumstances have been for the progress of the gospel. <laughs> this is a dude writing in prison. 
He's like, my circumstances for the progress of the gospel. One thirteen, it says this. It says, and the whole praetorian guard knows Christ because of me. Who's the praetorian guard? The governor of the land. And at the very end of chapter 4, it actually, Paul says, and Caesar's household sends greetings, which is really crazy, which meant that Caesar of Rome sent greetings because he was buddy buddies with Paul. That's mind-boggling, his whole circumstances. But, but anyway, sandwiched in there, Paul's talking about his financial provision. Chapter 4 opens up, and Paul's, or halfway through chapter 4, Paul opens up, and he's like, I thank God for you all. Because you started sending me stuff. You started sending me provision. Not that I needed your provision, but I'm glad you sent it because it's going to be added to your account, which means you blessing me is actually the Lord's going to bless you, what he says. And he says, I, it means a lot to me, but I, guess what? I learned to live without and I learned to li live with. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. <laughs> He's talking about provision. And then you get to verse 419. And Paul says this, this great pastoral prayer. He says, and my God, and my God, I'm just going to read it. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. In glory. In Christ Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's message. The goal of River City Hope Church is to provide as many resources as we can for free. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to HopeForRiverCity.com. Again, that's Hope, the number four, RiverCity.com.